Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing? Wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. I am doing something a little bit different today. I'm chatting with Lisa Crawl, the founder of Park Avenue Wealth Management, about ways that women can make better investing decisions. Lisa has 19 years of experience guiding clients in their financial well-being. She assists them in financial planning based on their phase of life so they can get the most from their investments. She also helps clients select life insurance based on their needs. Her commitment to personal service leads to superior financial growth for her clients, especially in planning for retirement. Lisa is also the recipient of the 2021 Westmoreland County Athena Award. Welcome, Lisa. I am so happy you're here today. Oh, thanks, Kelly. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Yes, I've been looking forward to this since we first chatted about having you on. Right. It's been, uh, I've been excited for it too. So thank you. Awesome. So this is not one of my usual marketing-based topics. I really wanted to do this episode with you because most of my listeners are women. And historically, I think a lot of us have been turned off of investing, honestly. So I'm thinking of the film Wolf of Wall Street and even Wall Street and Boiler Room. And investing can really have a bad rap. Like for women, when we see this testosterone laden perception of it, you know? So like in your experience, do you see women hesitating to get actively involved in making investments? Absolutely. I mean, when, listen, when that's the media portrayal of my industry, right? Um, There's very little nice things that are usually said when it comes to financial advisors. But I think that it's like any um, any profession that you have, you have good advisors and bad advisors, you have good doctors and you have bad doctors. And one of the main things is finding that person that you trust, right? Um, when you go to the doctor, you don't work with a doctor that you don't feel comfortable with. And that should be no different with your finances. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's so much bad information out there that people are hesitant to go and work with an advisor. Uh, Also, a lot of people have met with an advisor and they've met with somebody that has turned them off, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody that's out there and saying, just trying to sell them products or sell them something that is not necessarily meant for that client, right? That they have a specific product that they have to sell. So when you work with an advisor that's well-rounded and can match a product to your needs, um, it's a big difference, right? And Also working with someone, again, that's going to educate you and explain to you what you have. Um, And until you find that person, again, as you said, a lot of people are so afraid and think that, oh gosh, you know what, I'm better doing it on my own because advisors are expensive or advisors are gonna put me in something that isn't appropriate for me. Um, And that's a shame, really. But I I think that um, it's worth looking into and that um, when you find the right person and you find that right match, you can see what a great value add it can be to your life. Absolutely. And I'm sure that a lot of people and, and women are wondering, how will I find that right advisor? How will I know when I've found them? And part of that, I think, 
relates to like this superwoman mentality or syndrome where we think that we have to be good at everything. We think that we have to know it all. And especially as entrepreneurs where we are so good at so many things in our business. And so it's like, well, I must, I, I need to be good at investments as well. And, and you know, do you see that as well? Absolutely. And again, I relate it back to me. I'm not a marketer, right? I'm not good at marketing. And I accept that at this point, right? That's why I have Leah here, or we hire people like you that can help us and we can um, build that marketing side. And finances, it's the same thing. Should you have a general understanding? Absolutely. But that's part of the role with the advisor. And finding that person and finding that relationship, it's, part, it's an interview process. When I meet with someone, I expect to be interviewed, that there are maybe three other, two or three other advisors that they're talking to, and we figure out if we're going to be a good fit. And in a way, I'm interviewing you as well, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't get along and we don't trust each other, that I don't think you're going to agree with my advice, or I think that everything I say, you're going to question me on. Well, that's not a healthy relationship for me and vice versa. If I'm giving you advice and you're like, eh, I don't know, so-and-so's friend, they told me this when I was at work. If that's who you're trusting, then maybe I'm not the right person for you either. Um, so again, and it's trusting yourself and feeling it in your gut and saying, okay, this is the person for me. I trust that they have my best interest at heart. And if you don't, then it's not a good fit for you. That makes sense. Yeah. I want my clients to be coachable. Yes. You know, they, they don't have to take everything that I say as gospel, right. but they definitely need to trust me. So that makes perfect sense. What you're saying about, they need to trust their advisor, their financial advisor, and not say like you just mentioned, so-and-so at work told me this, or I read this on such and such blog Right. And and question their advisors' experience, certifications, training, right. all of that. And listen, you know, there are other answers. There are different thousands of ways to solve the same problem, right? Yes. But maybe that way is not what's best for you. Mm -hmm. And that's part of building that relationship and being open and transparent with your advisor and saying, you know, here's what I have. Here's what my goals are. And this is what I'm trying to achieve. And part of the relationship could be defining all of that, right? And saying, okay, I don't know. I know I have to save for retirement, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do that. Um, and being open with those conversations instead of trying to, you know, hold back or you don't want to give too much information because it's personal. We get that, right? Um, but that's what we're here for. Again, it's compared, it's easily to compare to the doctors, right? You got to tell them all the symptoms if you expect them to actually find the cause and be able to fix it for you. Yes. And that, I, that must be a real issue. All of this being so personal money and health. Yeah. Right? And relationships. So, you know, it's, at some points, I'm a marriage counselor, I feel at times too, right? Because it's those money conversations. There's the traditional role where we have one bank account that is shared by husband and wife and your money is my money, my money is your money. But the world's changed, right? And divorce is very frequent. And so having that understanding and being able to say, okay, well, we have our joint account, but we also might have separate accounts or right now, I think that this is the path that we're on, but 
it might be changing. So how do I protect myself in the situation that uh, my, that our plan changes, right? Maybe we're not going to be together. How does that work for us? Um, and knowing that you're going to be financially okay as well, right? Yeah. And again, like, so, I mean, I've had people that have had those conversations with me saying, yeah, we're married right now, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to look like. So if that changes, how does my financial picture change? Yeah not a financial advisor here and not a marriage counselor, but having gone through two divorces, everyone needs separate accounts. Just my opinion, (laughs) just throwing that out there. (laughs) We're knowing what I'm seeing, even for the people that stay together and, um, you know, they've been together 40 years and the husband has worked and the wife was an amazing stay at home mother and ran the home there comes a point where the women want, they use it as a valuation of themselves. And I've seen women feeling bad for themselves because it's not their money. Mm -hmm. It is your money. You, because you stayed home and because you made these sacrifices, that is your money too. Right. So having money set aside when you do work, even if it's if your spouse is the primary breadwinner, but just to have that to say that, hey, I contributed to um, just as a mental health side of the finances, right? To not feel so, even if you choose that that is your path, that you are de- codependent on each other financially. But if you have that little bit that says, okay, here's what I contributed as well, right? Yeah. It just adds to the self, your self-worth. Um, so I, I think that it's important, again, to understand what you have and how to make what you have grow as well. Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. So what are some of the top mistakes you say you see women making in investing? Well, I think it's one of the things you started off this conversation with, right, is being afraid to do it and wanting to just sit in cash and not not invest and just say, well, you know what, I know I have my cash and I know that it's safe over here. Um, So a lot of times women are just afraid, so they're not investing as well. So that's mistake number one, because when your money is sitting in cash, use this year as an example, inflation has increased so much this year that your $10 that you use to buy, get, fill up your tank is now a gallon, right? Obviously an exaggeration, but your dollar isn't going as far. Um, That being said, money that's been invested this year has also lost value, but it's being able to understand the whys, the why that is happening and what the long-term goal is. Um, People tend to, again, they don't invest or they don't understand the long-term goals and the short-term fluctuation that that's going to happen. Right now, the markets are at one of the worst points of the year. And um, with that being said, it's hard to look at those statements and to say, hey, it's all gonna be okay. And it's keeping your eye on the big picture and knowing that you'll get through it and making decisions, rash decisions on your own, right? So you see your statements, you're like, you know what? Take me out, I don't wanna do it. Um, And that's where where you find the most value in your financial advisor, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, is that, I am able to put it into perspective for you and say, okay, I get it. It hurts. And it is not comfortable to look at this, but long-term the whole theory of buy low, sell high, right? This is that time. This is that time to be buying low, putting away people that are saving 
this is fantastic for you. Everything's on sale, right? Um, if you think of compared to the retail world, right, where if you are supply filling your store with merchandise, if you get all of your stuff on sale that you can then go and sell higher for twice as much later, that's a good deal. But it's hard to see it when it's your dollars, actual dollars showing up on your statements. Right. So being too conservative, pulling out of the market, having that fear and just not um, not trusting the process. Right. Um, and then, you know, it just not doing it and being afraid. So mm-hmm. I think that's the really the biggest thing that I see with women um, and not planning for themselves. Let's throw mm-hmm. that one out there, too. Right. As yeah. we talked about making sure that you have money set aside for yourself or for your long term goals as well. Um, yeah. We tend to put everybody else in front of us. Right. Whether the kids or a spouse, we are the last women and self-employed people always save for ourselves last. So it at times can be hard to say, you know what, I need to set this aside for me um, because you will retire someday. Even though we all say that I'm going to work, I'm going to work, I can do my job, but life changes. And then, you know, we, you don't want to do it anymore at some point. And you want to make sure that you are comfortable when you retire and uh, not panicking every month, knowing if you're going to be able to make ends meet. Absolutely. We certainly will end up wanting to retire right? or something will happen, may happen to force us to, you know, health issues happen. We may find ourselves in the position of being a caregiver. So absolutely. And women are, again, we're the ones that are typically the ones taking the time away from work to to go and be the caregiver. So while you're working, make sure you're putting that money away and saving for yourself. Yeah. And earlier when you were talking about looking at the big picture and looking long-term, there is a difference between day trading and having that big picture, you know, being in it for the long-term. And in so many of these movies, you know, where we get our images from, they are doing more day day trading style investing, right. right? And I may not be using the correct vocabulary. Correct. No, you are, you are. And those, because listen, that's the most Hollywood themed thing you can do, right? Because right. it's got a lot of action and there are big wins and big losses and it's more dramatic. So it's right. better to talk about and make a movie about. Right. Um, but if you're working with uh, a financial advisor, like myself, for example, I'm very holistic, right? We're looking at the big picture and yes, we absolutely want to grow your money every year. But the reality is that there are years that that won't happen. Mm -hmm. So we want to be invested. We want to have you diversified. We want to say that, hey, when the markets are up, that's great if we get, say, 25% in a year. Mm -hmm. But that's not realistically what we're looking. We set the benchmark based on you. What percentage growth do we need to see to reach your goals? So that way, when we say, oh, well, my account only got 5%. Okay, well, what are your goals? Did you need to have more than 5%? Is this where you were comfortable investing? Because if you can't handle the big swings and you can't sleep at night, Mm -hmm. we don't want a 25% return. We want something that's going to be more consistent for you. It might not be as big, but it's going to be consistent and still gets you to that end goal so that right now when the markets are up and down, you're not panicking, 
right? right? We want the change in the market to be an inconvenience to you versus a life changer, right? Um, so I don't want to have anybody calling me saying, I can't sleep at night. We do a very diversified investing. We tailor it to you. And most advisors should do this. If you're working with them, they should be sitting with you figuring out what your goals are, figuring out what your income is, figuring out what your risk level uh, is so that you are comfortable the whole way along. And yeah, you're not going to see the big swings and we're not pounding on desks and saying, sell, sell, sell here every day, right? right? We are in packages that if one fund's not having a good day, maybe something else is, and they can balance each other out yeah. instead of it all or nothing. Yeah. And a lot of that, I don't know about a lot, but um, at least part of that hinges as well on your age. And like, like you said, or is in your bio, the phase of life that you're in. Absolutely. So the, the typical scale, right? If you're going standardized, it's saying, hey, the younger you are, the more aggressive you can afford to be. Mm -hmm. And that is true. Uh, except that also when you get older, people think that, oh, I retire. So I'm just going to sit in cash and mm -hmm. everything's great. But people retire and they live longer, right? Mm -hmm. If you're retiring at 65, we could be planning for another 20 years of life that you're right. living off of this money. So right. being that conservative might not be the answer for you, depending on what your savings level was. So the more you save now while you're younger, the more likely you get to go into that conservative boat whenever you retire. Um, so keep that in mind, right? The longer you have to invest, the better returns you're going to get on your money. Even if it's just a small amount that you're starting out with. Um, I always say when you start a new job, get those retirement accounts set up right away because if it's not in your pocket, you're not used to having it. Um, and then when you get a raise, if you if you are not hitting the limits of your 401k or your simple IRA or whatever your retirement account is at work, every time you get a raise, increase it by 1% mm -hmm. or do it annually, 1% so that you don't notice it. 1%, you can handle getting that changed out of your paycheck. But if you try and say, hey, put 10% away each month, you're not going to do it. It's going to be too uncomfortable and you'll do a couple and then Christmas will come and we'll change it, right? So if you do a little bit at a time, it's a lot more, more sustainable for you as you get that account built up. That makes sense. Yeah, that's great advice because yeah. when we set a huge goal like that, having to do with saving money, you're so right. We're going to end up not doing it or at least not long-term. Something will come up and like, oh no, just... And for your, the small business owners that are out there as well, there are plans that are designed for you as a small business owner that are inexpensive to run and that you can put away more than you could in other types of accounts, right? You can get the tax deferral, you can get the tax deduction as the employee and the employer, and you could do a small amount through the course of the year. And then at year end, once you run your numbers and you say, okay, I've had a successful year, you can then work with your accountant or who's ever running payroll and you can make those adjustments and make those contribution, a bigger contribution at the end of the year. And so that way you are getting the money in there, but you've put something in all year long. So worst case scenario, you've got that. But if you can afford to max it out, you can say, okay, year end, we've got profits. Let's kick some more over here and start putting away for yourself. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wonderful. 
So what other tips do you have for women to make better decisions in investing? I think one of my biggest tips is to trust yourself. Go out there, start doing it. Believe that you're worth saving for. Make yourself a priority. Um, again, so many of us, we put ourselves last between the being a woman and being a small business owner. Um, it's highly important to do that. Um, another thing is that if you are not self-employed and you're an employee, advocate for yourself in the workplace. Make sure that you know your worth compare what you're making to other people in the area and be able to say, hey, I know that this job pays X amount of dollars down the street. I am not there. I'm so much below it. Can you match this, right? Try and make sure that you know what to expect. And, you know, depending on where you're at, listen, if you're with a small business, they may not be able to meet those demands, but bigger companies often can, and you just don't realize it, right? So advocate for yourself. And if it's not financially, maybe it's through benefits. Maybe it's through added healthcare coverage. Maybe it is through more time off whenever you need it. Um, having flexible days or flexible hours. Um, there's many different ways that you can advocate for yourself in the workplace. You've just got to step up and be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be nice if there were more transparency about salaries across the board? <laughs> Yes, yes, it would. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of the uh, ways you find out is by applying for another job, right? And yes. say, oh, wow, they're, they're showing this salary. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, I think that it's gotten a little better through the years, right? Now yes. with Indeeds and all these sites, it says, yes. here's a salary range. Um, but it is true. And I, I think that being in the region that we are at as well, also understand the cost of living adjustment. Right. So if you're looking at national averages, those are do not tie out to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. No. So make sure they actually have calculators on a website, mm -hmm. on websites. I've used them for people that have wanted to move. Um, I had a client that was considering moving to California. And so the job numbers wise for Pittsburgh sounded amazing. Mm -hmm. But when we ran that cost of living and said, you're living in a one bedroom studio apartment at 52 years old. Is that really what you want to do, right? So you really have to weigh that and make sure you make those adjustments for where you're living as well. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Anything else? You know, I, you know, there's also, you could make sure you're thinking about your estate planning as well. So after you get through all of this, make sure that you have your life insurances in place. Mm -hmm. uh, the younger you are, the less expensive life insurance is going to be for you. Yes. And um, the healthier you are, the less expensive life insurance is going to be for you. So make sure you keep that into consideration. And there are different ways that you can measure how much you need. Uh, again, it's all about being transparent, having that conversation saying, if I die, what are my expenses that need to be covered? What are the things that I want to leave for my family when I pass? Um, but life insurance could also be used to help you transition your assets. So you have some life insurance to cover estate taxes that you may have in order so that that can pay for the estate taxes and your um, beneficiaries can get all of your assets. That's right. um, so keep that all in mind and make sure that all of the pieces of the puzzle are working together. Mm -hmm. um, try and find a person to work with that will look at everything as a whole instead of each piece individually, because as we all know, 
piecing things together never works. You got to have something that works as a cohesive unit to feel that peace and that comfort and know that it's all working for you. Yes. So when looking for a financial planner, you did say go with your gut, but what else should you be looking for? So you want, in my opinion, I, again, I like people that are holistic, right? Somebody that's going to work with you to develop a plan, to define your needs and your goals and to work in your best interest. Um, Certified financial planners like myself, we are registered that if we're not already doing it because we are good humans, then we are legally required to work in your best interest as well. Um, but a certified financial planner, we are trained in taxes, insurance, estate planning, retirement planning. So we can look at all of those pieces together for you and know what, what we're looking at. Um, look for somebody that is not just trying to sell you products. Mm-hmm. Make sure they're giving you products that are best for you And when they offer you the products, say, why? Why is this a good product for me? Um, Understand what they're selling you. And I'm not saying that you have to understand every nook and cranny of what the underlying investments are. What I am saying is that when you put your money in, know when can I take it out? How do I take it out? How much can I put in? Do I have to keep it there for a certain period of time? Because there's all um, little caveats on every type of an account. They all vary. And so you want to know what you're getting into. And I'm not saying that they're bad. You just need to know what the deal is before you do it. And consider the fees that are associated. Um, I do fee-based planning. So when your money is invested, you are paying for all of your trades and my advice. And it's all right there on your statement. You know what you're paying and it is charged every quarter. It's based on your current account balance. So when the markets aren't doing well and your account's not doing well, I'm not doing well. No one in the picture is doing well. Um, And I say that because it makes sure everybody's working in your best interest because it's everybody's best interest Mm. versus just selling you something, making a commission off of it. And again, those aren't bad products. There are times I still use commission-based products because they are better for my client. Mm but know again, know why they're selling it to you and why it's best for you. That's great. Thank you for that. You're welcome. So how can people get in touch or or learn more about you? Sure. So we all, we have all of the fun social media apps, right? We got LinkedIn and we've got uh, Facebook as well. Uh, My website is www.parkavwealth.com. And when you go on there, you'll see that I am located in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, But uh, like most small business owners and everyone in Pittsburgh, we travel. So, and we work via Zoom. So, you can't, don't let that be a hindrance. We service clients in state, out of state, all over the place um, because it's a very digital world right now and we can adjust to that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been fabulous. I really appreciate all the information that you shared. It's been really enlightening. Well, thank you for having me. I I love educating. So anytime you have any other questions, I'm happy to help out and jump on here with you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. And thank y'all for being here today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I'll be back in a few days. So I'll see you next time.